I get the question a lot about like, okay, so if I want to be a writer and balance that, you know, how many hours a day should I be writing, you know, in addition to my full-time job? And I don't think there's an answer to that. There's just, how do you, how do you want to live? How do you want to live today? Um, I can only do like one day, one moment at a time. Um, as for the balance, um, I haven't figured that out yet. And I, and I'm not a hundred percent sure there's like some kind of finish line, like, oh, I've achieved balance or, you know, my life is perfectly scheduled now. It's just what's important to you right now. What season are you in? It's about understanding, not even just prioritizing, um, but just really understanding like what is making my life meaningful right now. And then being willing to like cut out a lot of the stuff that kind of gets placed on you that isn't really that important to you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to The Ramble Room. I'm your host, Ransom, and as I always say, this is a safe place to ramble. I know I say this every time, but I got a real treat for you today. I'm super excited about our guest. Uh, let me tell you about her. My esteemed guest today is Sarah Ray Werner, a writer, speaker, a veteran podcaster and podcasting mentor, a voice actress, an author, and I think a luminary in her own right. She's the writer and creator of the award-winning sci-fi audio drama, Girl in Space, and the executive producer of another acclaimed fantasy audio drama, Omen. Sarah also hosts the Right Now podcast, that's W-R-I-T-E, if you're not familiar. And she also runs a substack called Dear Creators, and has many more things in the hopper, I promise you. So uh, sign up using the links in the show notes, and stay tuned, because she is always coming out with great stuff, I can attest personally. But uh, I, this is a really special interview for me because I came to know Sarah through a podcasting session of a writing conference that I joined remotely during the lockdowns of 2020. And uh, I got to say, I was in a really bad spot, uh, which I've talked about on previous episodes. And Sarah was a light in the dark. She said some things that I really needed to hear uh, to help keep me going. So, so thrilled that she's on the show. And I mean, that's just who she is. She is a light. She's always putting out good stuff. And I thought she'd be a perfect guest here for the Ramble Room for you guys, which is why I'm delighted to have her here. And Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Oh my gosh. Well, first and foremost, I do a lot of talks and, and podcast interviews and stuff. And that was probably the most wonderful intro I've ever heard. So I'm just, thank you. I'm just completely blown away by that. Um, I'm, I'm doing well. It is, it is a good day. It is always a good day. And I'm happy to be here with you and your audience. So hello to everyone. Awesome. Well, like we always start out with, uh, what are you up to in your life? And what's the story of how you got there? So, yeah, I am a writer. And um, probably like many people listening to this podcast, I've been writing as long as I could remember. I grew up in a sort of strict household uh, that didn't really, uh, my parents did not let us watch TV but we could read whatever we wanted. And so I grew up reading a lot of books. And by a lot, I mean a lot, a lot. Uh, <laughs> and we were about two blocks away from the public library. Um, and so that was just a really nice setup for, um, you know, I always sort of saw, I don't know if you've read Matilda by Roald Dahl. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, you know, this little girl grows up in a library. That's where she escapes to. Um, and that really is what starts to change her life is her love of reading. And so I really identified with that and started writing uh, horrifically violent um, <laughs> picture books when I was little. It's like, I think um, my mom kept a few of them. She didn't keep a lot of them, but she kept a few. And there's one that literally uses the phrase rivers of blood. And I was like five. So, um, <laughs> oh, so I, I've, I've always had a, uh, a love for horror, science fiction, anything that goes beyond uh, the normal in everyday life. Um, I guess professional wise, um, you know, uh, I went to college. I have a bachelor's degree and I majored in English and poetry writing. 
and got out and immediately started working for a software company because that's what you do when you have an English major in a recession. And um, yeah, I, I, I eventually got into marketing um, just because they were looking for someone who could write. And I was like, oh, I can write. And they're like, perfect, you're in marketing. And so <laughs> I have a career. I have over 10 years in marketing where I did both traditional marketing and digital marketing. Um, I built websites. I did content strategy. I did all of that stuff. And then in 2017, I left. I left the workforce to write and podcast for myself. And I'm still doing that today, six or seven years later. So it's been a ride. Fantastic. You know, it's funny that we got a little bit of similarities. I spent some time doing marketing. And uh, I mean, the skills really do overlap, right? The ability to tell a story the ability to uh, capture an idea and focus it. Uh, I have to ask, having worked in marketing, um, did you ever have those times where it felt just a little bit soul draining? Mm. Or, you know, or, or how was it for you? Everybody's experience is different, you know? You know, I've never talked about this before on a podcast. So this is this is new for me to talk about. But I, I love that you asked that question. Um, you know, it's hard to talk about yourself, but... Um, I never really fit into the workforce. And, you know, later as an adult in my late 30s, I was diagnosed with ADHD, which started to explain a few things. But, you know, I never really uh, did well at being told what to do or how to do it. Um, did not respond well to that. I mean, I was always very polite. You know, I was I was a nice person. I was nice to everybody. Kindness is very important to me. Um, but I would do little things that... Um, maybe helped me rebel a little bit against the soullessness that you're talking about. So, mm. you know, if you think of creativity as your superpower and you work in marketing and your job is to sell um, like a credit card for a bank with a giant, crazy um, interest rate. And you're like, I don't feel like this is ethical, but I still have to do this, you know, <laughs> oh, which I have had to do. And and so I would find little ways to rebel. Um, I had a blanket that I would like wear around my shoulders, like a cape in the office. I refused to wear shoes. Um, and like you, some of those things you can get away with, like, cause it was kind of like a quirky uh, boutique marketing company. And so like, oh, that person is just being special. Um, <laughs> but you know, it all kind of culminated when I was invited to speak at a marketing summit and I decided I wanted to talk about ethical marketing. And that was really when things started to kind of split open for me is because I realized that in doing my research that there were ways um, to market in an ethical way that didn't make me feel like I was selling my soul or like draining my personality. Um, and just, you know, the place that I was working, like that just wasn't the sort of marketing that we needed to do and, and what we could do for our clients. So, um, I started experimenting and experimenting with marketing and with what was possible within like an ethical um, landscape. I don't know if landscape's the right word, but we're using it. Landscape, ethical yeah, I landscape. I buy it. Um, so I started the Right Now podcast in 2015. That's when I kind of started experimenting with this. Um, and basically, that was a show where I just talked about writing for 30 minutes, released those episodes weekly. It used to be weekly. It's not weekly anymore because there's so much going on. Um, but it really helped me explore what does it mean to be a creator in you know, a nine to five job? Like, what does it mean when you have these two worlds, at least? And again, I can only speak from my experience, but you are a deeply creative person and you're sort of stuck in this rigid structure and but you have to be there because you need to make money so that you can live and like buy food and stuff um so i really explored those themes within the right now podcast and then in 2017 i wrote girl in space as i was leaving my job and i wrote girl in space um and you've listened to it by now so yes it is I, I tell people it is actually highly autobiographical. So it is actually the story of me leaving the workforce, which I hope isn't too narcissistic. I think that most writers, you know, their main character is always themselves. You know, like oh, yeah. no matter who they're channeling it into, it's just <laughs> always the author. Um, truth, truth. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. And so uh, that that's sort of then what allowed me to experiment with marketing. So I was like making merch for both of my podcasts and I was going to conferences, but I always had um, a line. 
And it was, I'm always going to tell exactly the truth. I am never going to like hide anything. Um, I'm never going to use like, you know, black hat tactics. Um, and, and I found success for my shows, a, a decent amount of success through um, ethical marketing. So I didn't know that I was going to talk about this today, but <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no, I think that's fantastic. I actually uh, riffed on everything you're talking about in a, a previous episode that I did because I feel the same thing. Oh. Um, I worked for a media company, I, which shall remain nameless. Um, <laughs> and I mean, one of the most stark lines that I ever heard come out of a human's mouth was, hey, it's not truth advertising. <gasps> and, yeah, I was like, oh, wow. And and people chuckled around like, oh, yeah, this is kind of common wisdom around here. Now, yes, we were we were advertising stories. And so you can play a little bit with like, what's it, the movie really about when you make the trailer and, and have some fun there. But, you know, it just was kind of a, it's a bummer of a moment when that when that happens. So and I mean, mm. with financial products, which it sounds like you were doing like that gets even more sticky. So I can understand having to be like, I, I got to do something else. I'm sorry. Yeah. And at the same time, I do want to say that, you know, if you are a writer or a creator who is who feels like they're stuck in a job like that, um, that doesn't mean that you can't create or that you need to leave your job in order to be a creator. I, I always like to make that very, very clear. Yeah. I did some of my best work while I was employed and frustrated at my job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Limitations create uh, motivation. Indeed, they do. Indeed. Well, so I'm interested to hear more about kind of the, the what's the word, I guess the arc of, of creating Girl in Space. You said you started writing it while you were still working there. Did you actually start recording it before you left or was that the first thing you did when you left? Oh, gosh. Um, I Let's see. I wrote the script. My friend Michelle and I went on a writing retreat and um, we just got a hotel room in a nearby city and she was working on a project. I was working on a project. We had a refrigerator full of different cheeses. I mean, it was it was really yeah. it was really wonderful. And so she and I, uh, we did some writing and I want to say I started recording. I started recording after I left my job um, and I'm just in this office right here with this USB mic. Really, I went from my day job and um, sort of doing, I, I made sure that when I left and maybe you did the same thing, I made sure I had a runway of freelance projects and writing projects and things that I knew would bring in income to kind of keep us afloat um, if, you know, just in case the whole podcasting for money didn't work out. So, and uh, slowly I transitioned into only podcasting, but I was sort of building websites and doing some freelance marketing consulting and stuff in that time. Um, and then I went to my first conference. Uh, I went to podcast movement in, I think it was Anaheim. Oh, nice. And yeah, and I brought a stack of Girl in Space business cards because, you know, marketing. And I got real excited and I just had a handful of business cards and I would just hang out and chat with people. And um, this is also how I started to learn what PR meant. <laughs> and I realized that uh, it, it's it's a lot more, um, you get a lot more bang for your buck if you, when meeting somebody at a conference or a convention or trying to talk about yourself as a writer, if you ask the other person first, hey, who are you? What's your show about? What are you working on? And then eventually they'll feel compelled to ask you about your, your show, in which time you give them a business card and then uh, talk about your show. And so I did that. And it was at a time when podcasting, um, you know, 2017, um, podcasting wasn't, it was on the cusp of like becoming a big thing. And I think it's still kind of on that cusp. I don't know if we've gone over it yet. Um, but I was very fortunate in that 
Um, Girl in Space got enough downloads and everything that it was featured on the homepage of what was at the time iTunes. It's now Apple Podcasts. And so it was just, I, it was a chain reaction. And it started because some of those people that I chatted with and gave my card to at Podcast Movement were from Apple. And I didn't know that at the time. And so um, they liked my card and they told me later the reason that I was featured on, you know, the the little scrolling thing was because everybody was like black and red and yellow and white and mine was purple and pink and they just liked the color contrast. All right. I mean, so, you know, eh, uh, right. graphic design is my passion. So, um <laughs> Yeah. And so after that, Spotify launched its podcasting uh, feature and they saw that Girl in Space had been on the front page of iTunes for a long time. And so they got in touch with me and asked if Girl in Space would want to be featured on the Spotify launch. And I was like, yes, please. Um, And so and then from there, it it was featured on a lot of other places. But um, Apple and Spotify, that was really uh, that was really sort of the start of it. And it kind of blew up from there. Um, I feel like I'm very fortunate that I get to live, I don't know, a dream creator life. I don't know. I want to, I don't want to be like flippant about it, but, um, yeah, there was also uh, a time when there was a girl in space TV show in the works and just all sorts of things. Um, so it's been, it's been a great journey so far. (laughs) Yeah. And guys, if, if you haven't listened to the show, you really got to check it out. I recently just listened end to end the whole thing and it's, it's fantastic. And it's so unique to you, Sarah, I have to say, Thank you. Um, I could sense your kind of passions in it, um, the things that mattered to you, the the narrative statement you were trying to make, but also just incredibly lovable characters. And they go through journeys, not just you and your main character, but but all the, the cast around your main character. Just it's so, so unique. So I can see. I can see why it stood out. And I can see why people enjoy featuring it. It's a very unique uh, podcast narrative, you know? Thank you. Well, and I just, sorry, I know I keep like barreling on. Um, <laughs> one more thing that I wanted that was important to me in working on the show was I wanted to do a sci-fi show, but I didn't want it to revolve around the normal, like, oh, there's a space war and there's explosions and stuff. So it's just literally people um, <laughs> talking on a spaceship. So, But I will say the uh, the audio, and did you do all the editing, like sound design as well? I did everything my, <laughs> I did everything myself. <laughs> I know the feeling, <laughs> but no, it was really well done. You're, Thank you. Some of the places where you did the timings, I was just like, oh, that was nice. That just just came right in there in the back, um, and like brought the narrative forward. So, guys, check it out. I'll link to it in the show notes. But um, and you're writing season two, right? Or you're no, you're working well, on the. Are you allowed to like tell us what the next stage is? Is that yeah. in the open? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm working on a novel. Uh, in NaNoWriMo, so National Novel Writing Month in 2022, I decided that I just wanted to do a girl in space novel because I'd have to go back and re-listen to the whole thing anyway in writing season two. And so I'm still in the midst of working on the novel. Um, my cat Cyrus is going to knock <laughs> over something. So I am. <laughs> yep. No worries. <laughs> oh, yep, 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 yep. Okay, good. Okay. Maybe this adds character. Um, Absolutely. This is real life, people. <laughs> this this is real life, everyone. Um, I'm gonna just shut him out of the room. No yes, worries. That's your toy. Come on. Goodbye. I love you. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm adapting Girl in Space as a novel, uh, and I think that'll be a YA novel, um, just because it feels right. And then I'm working on season two of Girl in Space, and then I don't want to be. Um, I don't want Girl in Space. I love Girl in Space, but I don't want it to be the only thing I ever do. And so I'm also working on, I don't know if it's going to be a podcast or a book or both, um, but it's it's in the genre that I'm calling gentle or cozy horror. Nice. And yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited to jump into that. Um, I don't know if you're the same way, but I need to be working on like multiple projects at the same time or. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. <laughs> what I was actually wanted to ask you, because I mean, like I said, from the intro, and I know that wasn't an exhaustive list of all the things that you do. Um, you obviously, like you said, you have a, a very active mind. Um, how do you balance everything that you're working on or what works for you, basically? Because I think every writer has to find their own way, but maybe some of what you do can help somebody else. You know, I appreciate you saying that, that. Um, I hear so many podcasts and I read so many blogs and books that are like, here's the right way to do it. And it's really, you know, you just got to experiment. Experimentation has gotten me like everywhere. Um, As for what works. um, So 
I hope this is okay to talk about uh, ADHD wise, yeah, yeah. but no, absolutely. okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Scheduling does not work for me. Everybody <laughs> is always telling me like, well, just schedule block, like, you know, eight to noon on Mondays, that's your email <laughs> and your administration. And then, you know, one to five, that's when you'll do this. And then your podcast interviews are always going to be on a Tuesday from here to here. And then your writing time <laughs> is here. And like, Oof. it's just like, it's like I'm working back at the office again yeah. and I put on my cape and I take off my shoes and I'm just like, <laughs> my brain just will not let me do it. So, yeah. um, I have a sort of horrible rotating system of, <laughs> I have, so I do bullet journaling and that helps. Nice. So I write down, I have an ongoing task list and I'll sit there in the morning. I do have one dedicated time block, and that is every morning from seven to noon, I write. And whatever project I'm on, whatever project moves me, I have to work on that. And then afternoon can be for I do all my my own taxes and accounting and stuff. And emails need to get lis listened to, I guess, is what came out of my mouth. But I must <laughs> say emails need to get read. Um, but but you know, talking about balance. When I was first starting out, the Right Now podcast originally was about how do we live a creative life? How do we find that balance? Because I realized I was getting really burned out um, working a full-time job, sometimes you know more than 40 hours a week. And also I volunteer a lot. And so I was the president of my church at the time. I was doing all this other stuff. I was leading a writer's group downtown. And also I was working on, you know, whatever I was working on at the time, probably a novel that's, you know, still in my drawer somewhere because I always have a, a project going on and I was just burning out. And um, either I gave all my energy to work and I had a really good work day and then I came home and like, you know, looked at my computer screen like a zombie or I was just spacing out during meetings for the volunteer stuff. And so um, I, I spoke with a friend I was part of a women's leadership program here downtown, and um, I, this is how I met her. She was a speaker, and she was talking about work-life balance. And I remember, like, standing up near the end of her presentation during Q&A and asking, like, okay, so you're you've been talking this whole time about work-life balance, but, like, what if you have, like, three things that you want to balance? Like, <laughs> what if you've got work and life, but also, like, a passion project, like, something that you are really serious about and you really love, like, writing a novel or what have you? And she was like, that's a really good question. And she told me something that stuck with me, and that is, I don't know if you quite can. Um, and she said, think of it as a fitted sheet that doesn't hundred percent fit properly. So you can get like three of the corners down and then one over there will pop up. And so like you pull that one down and then one over here pops up and it's just, I don't know for me, I don't know if it's balanced. Like I don't have like, oh, everything it has equal time and attention so much as I'm in some sort of constant flow. And I've had to accept that as my version of balance. So I get the question a lot about like, okay, so if I want to be a writer and balance that, you know, how many hours a day should I be writing, you know, in addition to my full-time job? And there, I don't think there's an answer to that. There's just, how do you, how do you want to live? How do you want to live today? Um, I can, I'm not good, good with scheduling. So I, I can only do like one day, one moment at a time. Um, and thankfully I'm so obsessed with every project that I'm working on that like I stick to it. Um, but yeah, as for the balance, um, I haven't figured that out yet. And I, and I'm not a hundred percent sure there's like some kind of finish line, like, oh, I've achieved balance or, yeah. oh, my life, you know, my life is perfectly scheduled now. It's just what's important to you right now. What season are you in? Like, are you in a place right now where you have a newborn baby at home? Like, please take care of your newborn baby. Your novel can wait, you know, <laughs> a little bit. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, it's about understanding, not even just prioritizing, um, but just really understanding, like, what is making my life meaningful right now? And then being willing to, like, cut out a lot of the stuff that kind of gets placed on you that isn't really that important to you.
heard you talk about this on some of your other stuff that it's important not to, you know, in that process of deciding what to set aside for a time, basically, that if you don't necessarily have to let it go. You're just putting it on the back burner and you don't need to feel guilty about that. Like mm. I, I often would do that to myself, like, oh, I'm not achieving all 36 hours in this 24 hour day. Uh, and just recently being like, you just can't live that way. Like you just do what you can and you've done what you can. And that's that's enough for real. It is. I feel that way you said about all 36 hours of the 24-hour day. That's fantastic because you can do that for a while. You can do it for a little bit and you can trick yourself into thinking, I can do this always. And then, I don't know, inevitably, like for me at least, my body just betrayed me and I would get sick and I would have to rest. Or like it, my, your, my body ended up just, hey, guess what? <laughs> You're not moving for a week. Um, and And – I want to say, too, um, about giving yourself grace and forgiveness, it's really helped me to look at being a writer is the way in which you live. And everything you do is research for your writing, or at least this is how I live. This is not a should. You don't have to do this. But for me, this has been helpful to understand that, like, when I am out on a walk and I am looking at nature and absorbing the sounds and the sights and just the feel of everything that goes into my brain museum. And I can look at that exhibit later and, and draw upon that for my writing or when I'm reading a really good book and, you know, oh, this is actually strengthening my own writing because I'm getting a further understanding of what works and what doesn't, what I like, what I don't like, how words fit together. Um, so I think that for me was part of it is realizing that in a sense, like living is writing and everything that you do and see and say and hear is fodder for your writing. And so that helped me to be like, well, I didn't write any words today, so I'm a huge failure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and it's really, it's real easy too to think of it. Not only am I like a failure, but I'm like a moral failure. Like oh, I'm yeah. a bad person, you know? Um, you're not a moral failure. You're not a bad person if you go a day or a week or 10 years without writing. Um, you're still a writer and you still get to call yourself that. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's it's that's really important because that is something that I hear a lot of people say that like, oh, I'm not a real writer. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, you are. Own it. Um, yeah, my my poor missus this morning had she's working on a really cool novel. She's on, I think, past three now. Yeah, past three. And she's hitting the meat of it. You know that stage where mm. like it's mm -hmm. like, oh, this one knot that I didn't really uncover till just now has just hung her up. And just one of those days. And I, you know, yep. I'm glad I'm a writer so I can understand and just be like, these days happen. Today will suck. And then tomorrow will come. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And sometimes, you know, that brings to mind you know, sometimes you should fight it. You know, sometimes I've sat down, I don't feel like writing, I'm angry, I'm burned out. I, you know, I feel like garbage. Um, and I write and then sometimes it gets better. And sometimes I have an okay writing session. But there are times when you just legitimately need to rest. And rest is also part of writing. And if you begin to fight your way through something and it's just hurting you more and more and sapping more of your energy, it's okay to take a step back and to realize that rest is part of writing. And you can't create good stuff if you are not well rested. If your brain is like hanging on, you know, from a from a string that's dangling from a cliff, um, it's not going to do its best work. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to breathe in too. Yeah, you, you know, just keep forcing air out. <laughs> so um, you're not a sad little deflated shred of a lung. <laughs> it's a great image. Um, well, it's funny. Uh, I love listening to you talk about writing. Like some of the, I just, I'm always, you know, clapping when I listen to your Right Now oh, podcast because you. You a lot of wisdom that you've gained over a lot of years. Um, when did uh, you decide to, like, I know you've kind of formalized this for yourself, like make writer mentoring and podcast mentoring part of your panoply of things you're working on? Like what, what led that decision? You know what? That is a very good question. And this is something I don't talk about enough and that is, oh, and I'm trying to figure out a way to say this that like isn't super cheesy. <laughs> um, for me, it took a lot of thinking and writing and journaling. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm a bullet journaler. Uh, I have stacks of filled up journals everywhere. Um, so when I die, someone's going to have a lot of reading to do. <laughs> but um, 
When I first left my day job, I made it a point to have at least, at minimum, seven different income streams because I didn't want to, you know, quote unquote, put all my eggs in one basket. Like, because I've seen before people who leave their job because they know they have a freelance job lined up with a client and then the client like dumps them and they have nothing. And so I was like, I'm going to have seven. And so I was building websites. I was doing marketing consulting. I was ghostwriting books. I did that for a while. Um, I was writing for Forbes. Um, I was making a podcasting course at the time. I had two podcasts. And then I don't remember what my final income stream was, but there was one more that I was doing in there. Um, So it was a lot. And so I got a lot of experience and I got to see, like, do I enjoy this? Do I enjoy this? And it felt really selfish for a long time to say, like, oh, well, I want to do more of this because I enjoy it. And that really, um, I really struggled with that because I, I tend to, and I don't know if other people are like this too, um, but it makes me feel selfish to say like, yes, I, I am in a place where I can pursue what I love every day. And I don't know. So there was just some like really gross feelings, uh, struggling with that there. And it felt really, um, I don't know, narcissistic or selfish or something to say like, well, what do I enjoy the most? Um, but really, there are things that I enjoyed more than other things. Um, and doing the whole writer-mentor thing, it kind of was this, like, nexus of everything that I enjoyed all at once. It was, like, working one-on-one with people very closely. It was... Um, actually feeling like I had a say in the writing community, like that was important, uh, feeling like you're heard. Um, and then just, you know, walking people through, you know, mistakes that I had made. And I'm like, ah, I see where you're going. Let me tell you about this huge mistake I made so that you may avoid it. Um, so it's just been a really good experience working with writers and, not telling them what to do and what not to do, but just offering, hey, here's what happened when I did this. And so just be on the lookout for this and this. Um, Yeah. And I do that through uh, podcasting. I do that through, uh, I do national speaking. I do that through um, my Dear Creators newsletter, just any way that I can share what I've learned with other people so that they uh, spend less time stuck and frustrated uh, than I do. Yeah, I mean, it's really rewarding, I have to imagine. Um, well, I say I have to imagine. I did a little bit of it myself for a little while, um, specifically screenwriting, because that's what I was focused on at the time. But uh, I'm sure you'll agree with the sentiment that the more you kind of try to help other people, the more you realize that there's a really wide range of right answers. Mm. And you're trying to help people find the right answer for where they're at and what they're struggling with. Yes. And you're just kind of giving them ideas, like you're doing your best to, to help them break through the wall, because really only they can. Exactly. It's interesting. You know, I was talking earlier like, oh, time blocking didn't work for me. I didn't even know what time blocking was until another person like told me about it. And so, and you know, it ended up not working for me, but I'm glad I experimented with it because it's just as valuable to know what doesn't work for you. Um, so I, I really think that it's it's good to even just present people with like, hey, did you know this existed and it might help you? If it doesn't, that's fine. But if it does, that's great. So yeah. yeah. Right. It's like trying on different outfits. You know, it's like not every outfit's going to look good on you. It just exactly. is what it is. Um, I'm curious to know because you seem like a very energetic person. Um, do you find that 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 mentoring process as you do it kind of brings you energy and makes you like love your work more? Or do you kind of have to like put it in a box and make sure that you don't let it sap too much of your energy so that you can do your own creative work? I appreciate you asking that. I am very much an introvert. And, you know, I know that's not scientific. It's kind of like armchair psychology, whatever. Um, but it makes sense, you know, in a way that like when I'm with a whole bunch of people or when I do an interview like this, I love doing it. I am just on fire. I love people so much. Like this is what gives life meaning for me is communication. And I just see writing, whether it's a novel or writing for a podcast or screenwriting, just as another way to communicate with people or to, um, you know, have a, maybe a little bit of a one-sided conversation, but a conversation it's sharing meaning with other people. And, um, the, the, the most vivid example of this is like when I speak at a conference. So I'm on stage and I'm like really excited and in love with what I'm doing. And then afterwards, like I go catatonic. Oh man. <laughs> and I just remember I was speaking at the Austin film festival a few years ago and I got off the stage and like just walked 
and sat down. I don't even know who I was next to. And I just like slowly like <laughs> laid down on this like <laughs> bench in a hallway. Mm-hmm. And thankfully there were some kind people there who I knew who were like, hey, are you okay, buddy? And brought me water and stuff. But um, it's kind of like, I'm never in between. I'm either on or off. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> after this, I might just go and like stare at the ceiling for a <laughs> while. But that doesn't mean that I don't love this, you know. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that while working with people and doing mentoring and speaking and everything, while that does take energy, it's not a bad thing because this is how I also get ideas for my writing. So tomorrow when I shut the door and I do my seven to noon writing session, like I'm going to have new ideas from our conversation or, um, you know, from working through problems with someone else, I'll be able to resolve something in my own work. So it, it's a, it's a give and take a little bit. Yeah. But like you said, really, really worth doing. And I uh, was talking to a friend recently about the difference between extrovert performers and introvert performers and like what what you are doing is is a it's a service right you are really giving of yourself uh despite the energy that it takes from you and i think that's that's the wonderful thing and well, I, many you. people are benefiting from it i know What would you say to somebody who's thinking about starting a creative pursuit? I mean, it's a podcast, novel, sculpture, needlepoint, or even like creating a business. Like what's kind of the one thing you would say to them if they were like, what do I need to know before I get started? Uh, I have like 40 things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can I give you like a bullet, a bulleted list? Absolutely. You know, we'll say like, what? yeah, what would you say? Not what one thing would you say? Okay. Okay. Yeah. First, I would say, please do it. Um, chances are, if it is in your heart, if it's something that you've been thinking about, especially if something you've been thinking about off and on over the years, that means it's really meaningful to you and it will add so much meaning and depth to your life. The second thing I would say is that while it adds so much meaning and depth to your life and while it may bring you joy, it will also probably not be easy and it might be hard at times. And um, just please be aware of that. Just because something is difficult or uncomfortable or unpleasant doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it. Um, And in fact, that was one of the best ways that I was able to grow. Um, The next thing I would say is if you are starting a a project, a business, whatever it is, um, a lot of people feel like they need someone else's either permission or validation to either begin or continue or to feel like they're what they're doing is legitimate or real. Um, and so, hi, uh, you have that permission just with your birthright as a human being, you have that permission. And I want to say that very, very clearly. And if it turns out that you feel like you need validation from other people, um, I know so many writers like that. And it would be very easy to say, like, you don't need validation. Just make your <laughs> stuff and be proud of it. I understand that that's, that's like an actual need. And some people need the dopamine release that that gives in order to continue. So uh, my advice there is um, find a buddy, find a friend, find somebody who actually you trust. And, you know, if they know a lot about crocheting or needlepoint or writing or starting a business, like that's fantastic. But um, you just want somebody you can trust and they'll read your work. They'll look at your needlepoint design, whatever it is that you're doing, and um, hopefully give you some of the validation you need. I've seen a lot of really talented writers who start out and they immediately don't have 10,000 Twitter followers or... Um, they're not immediately getting fan mail and they just get turned off and they stop. 
and they quit. And so I think that it's really important to build that into your system. Like if you know you need validation, build it in um, so that you know that you're getting a diet of validation. What else? I'm trying to like think what else, but maybe I'll pause for now. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's just such great stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it a couple times here that like just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not what you should do. Uh, that's, you know, as a parent, mm. I cannot tell you how many times that I've tried to communicate that like, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, yeah, but that's not your criteria for what is right. Uh, so yeah, and then creative pursuit. It's so interesting. Like you said, sometimes you have to fight through. Uh, sometimes you need to not fight through. It's important that you really step back and hard to know when. I mean, do you have any stories of those moments where you you did, you know, whatever you're the opposite of what you wanted to do and it paid off? I do actually. Um <laughs> And this was something I didn't think I was ready for. And I was very resistant to it. Um, and this was one of those things where I was kind of like dragged into it. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and I feel like if I had been completely under my own steam, I wouldn't have done it um, or I would have fallen off or, you know, not gone through with it. Um, so I'm very grateful. That's, again, why it's important to have um, a trusted friend or somebody who, like, is holding you accountable. Um, but what it was was um, I was writing – and this is your area of expertise. I was writing a TV show. I was writing a screenplay for the first time, and I didn't know what I was doing. And it was terrifying. And I had to not only produce good material but justify – like what I had produced and like why I had produced it and be able to communicate this kind of stuff. And it was because of these daily meetings with the rest of the writer's room. That was the only reason that I was, I had the strength to show up because not because I loved the project, which I did because I was so scared that that was like diminishing my love of the project, but I showed up because if I didn't show up, I'd be letting these other people down. And that like literally was what pulled me through the project. So maybe that's not getting through on my own steam, but I think it was important to learn that like, oh, accountability is, is really, um, valuable for me. And if I run into this in the future, um, I'll know that, oh, hey, I need some accountability. Can I call up a friend and say, hey, I will buy you 10 pizzas if for the next three <laughs> weeks you text me every day at 7 a.m., hey, are you working on this, you know? Um, so, yeah, so that's that's been helpful for me. It's also been – I've also had the, the opposite of um, – and I don't really know how to put this, but like working on a project when I really shouldn't be working on it, but it felt like the right thing to do. Um, and just really pushing through with it. I was working on, I had a, a, a project that I was working on in secret and everybody around me at the time, because I'd been so burned out recently was like, Sarah, if you start one more thing, I'm going to like come <laughs> to your house and lock you in a closet and not let you out. Um, oh, because you're burning yourself out. And I was like, yes, I am. But also I have an idea that I need to get out. This is why I talk about seasons because like that was a season and then I had a season where I couldn't do anything. And so mm. um, that ah, balanced out using the the word balance oh, that maybe oh. is legitimate anyway. Um, <laughs> it's in there somewhere. But yeah, but I'm still glad that I did that. I'm glad that I got what I needed to for that project out. And I'm trying to think like I think like there's still people who are like important in my life that like don't know that I did this thing. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that was my secret project that, you know, I'll release one day. I just needed to like get the bones of it out. Um, but yeah. That's interesting. It's fun too. I have to say, like when you're working on something that nobody else knows about, it oh. feels like, it feels like sorcery, you know, right? Oh, like you're conjuring this amazing spell that will change the world. And no one even knows. Oh, it's fantastic. It. I love it. I love it. So with everything you're producing, is there anything that you're taking in that's inspiring you right now? that you're just love to death and would love to share with the audience? Oh boy. So I always like to make sure that whatever medium I'm creating in, I'm also um, consuming that media as well. And so if I'm working a podcast, I am listening to specifically, you know, either if I'm working on the right now podcast, I'll listen to another writing podcast before, you know, I get into the meat of it. Or if I'm working on girl in space season two, the audio drama, I will listen to other audio dramas. And that just reinforces the format, the voice, the tone of the medium that I'm working in. Um, I do also find inspiration. There's so many good television shows out right now. Um, 
been, you know, I've been watching um, The Expanse, which came out a few years ago on Amazon Prime. It's and especially for like writing Girl in Space, it's just a great way to um, think of the things that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Um, I'm not saying to copy it, but just realizing like, oh, they're wearing magnet boots. I need to explain how gravity works on the station. Um, Just getting things like that. But inspiration wise, um, in addition to all of that other media, books are my first love. And so I always make sure that I am reading both a fiction and a nonfiction book, like not at the same time, but like, you know, switching off depending what mood I'm in. Um, And I have been reading just the most the most wonderful books. Um, I can really, really recommend, um, I just finished actually for the second time through, uh, Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, which is, um, a a really seminal work about just journaling and like how to live and exist, um, how to create space in your life for writing. I think that that's really, um, what has been most inspirational to me. Um, I'm also, let's see. I have my book list right here and I need to look at it because it's just, it is, it's a lot. Oh, my wife's, my wife's always reading at least three books at a time, like one audio and two on the bedside table. It's, it's amazing. Oh, I have, I'm, I'm terrible. I have stacks everywhere. (laughs) Um, so right now I'm reading victories greater than death by Charlie Jane Anders. And I'm just really enjoying the more lighthearted. I picked that up because again, I'm writing the girl in space novel as sort of like a YA piece. Um, and so I like the lighthearted, like the girl on the cover has purple hair and everything's glittery. And so that's really like what was inspiring to me. Um, I'm also reading again by Charlie Jane Anders. I guess I'm on like a double feature, um, a nonfiction work called never say you can't survive. And actually I have it right here next to me and it's about creating stories in time of difficulty. And I was like, well, that's all the time now, (laughs) (laughs) or at least it feels like it. And so, um, so I've really been enjoying that. Um, yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm always reading something that inspires me. And I used to be the kind of person that I'd have to finish a book because I would feel guilty if I didn't finish the book and I've grown as a person and I am now able to say this book is not, uh, inspiring me. It's not fulfilling me. It's not even really very good. I'm going to gently put this aside because I have thousands of books on my list and I'm just not going to have time to read them all. So I I only let myself read uh, the good stuff. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, My wife went through a a similar journey where she, it's only been a few so far because she does like, since she's writing, she wants to like, okay, this is bad. Does it ever get good? How does it stay bad? We can learn from this. But there have been a few where she's just like, I can't, I just need to kind of put it down like it almost feels like you know selling a pet you're just like i'm sorry i'm sorry i can't the author that wrote this book i'm sorry i can't get through it um which is always interesting too because you think like how did this get published who loved this somebody loved this or else i wouldn't be reading it so that's so interesting well and you know that speaks to the point that we were talking about earlier that like you know there's really no like right way or wrong way like sure if you write a terrible book it'll appeal to somebody you know there's not really a right or wrong way to create a book it'll just you know, appeal to more or less people, maybe. <laughs> exactly. And this really interesting time where so many people can then self-publish and mm-hmm. really kind of get that. You know, it, it, sometimes I wonder, like, is it true feedback? Because I've seen mm-hmm. authors who eventually get published and then their self-published works then get more attention and more acclaim. But sometimes it does mean that you need to grow more if not a lot of people reading your stuff. it's It can be tough to read. Because um, marketing is very important. Or like at least um, spreading the word, I suppose. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. getting near the end of our time here there's one couple questions we always like to ask and just give the guests the floor to talk about um i've really loved reading your your recent uh, newsletters about you know we talk about yourself and share your personality and, and the things you've been through in life i'm curious to know uh does faith or any kind of spirituality play a significant role in your life in your creative process and uh, what does that look like for you oh my gosh this is such a rich question um 
And it's interesting, too, that I just finished a second reread of Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. Um, I didn't know when I picked up that book. You know, I probably like you and your audience, I read a lot of, I guess, instructional. I don't know if that's the right word, but like kind of how to books in your field, whatever it is you're passionate about your craft. Um, so, you know, I've got uh, all of the books on writing. And, and this one really was different because Julia Cameron approaches it from a spiritual angle. And she talks about writing as a spiritual act. And that was just interesting to me because I had always separated um, like spirituality and faith from production. And just as a little bit of background, I had mentioned earlier, I had a very kind of strict upbringing and wasn't allowed to watch TV. My dad was a pastor and I grew up in the church and it was just interesting how, um, you know, you have kind of two, well, I had two lives. I'm not going to say anyone else has this, but you know, you go to church on Sunday, you spend time with your family and then you go to school and I went to a public school and they were just two very different worlds that like did not interact. And, you know, it's very interesting to ask how that affects because it's something I feel like I've only recently learned how to do. Um, the church has been very much a, a part of my life but not really something I included in my writing. There are um, there are themes that come through, like no matter who you are, the things that you believe will always come through your work in ways that you don't plan to or that you didn't expect. Um, and so there's always a message of kindness and love in, in the work that I do. And I, I work hard to make sure that people feel um, – valued and loved when they read something that I create or write or podcast or whatever. Um, but it's really, I was speaking, there was a, a magazine that, uh, interviewed me, gosh, years ago when, when the first season of girl in space first came out. Um, and it was a Lutheran magazine and it was like, you know, Hey, there's a lot of themes in girl in space. Like, uh, there's this garden, uh, on the space station where the main character lives. And that's like, oh, that's that's Eden. And, you know, the, these people are coming in. And what does that mean to live in community and to um, to really look at like what happened to innocence? And I was like, wow, I did not intend to put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amazing. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, all those things that are up here in our brain museums that we don't even maybe realize are there. Um, I, I want to get better at integrating, um, maybe intentionally integrating faith and spirituality into my writing, because I feel like that would be a very, very good experience. But, you know, I spent so long separating those two realms from each other, you know, because of course, well, kids at school will like find literally anything to make fun of you for. And like for me, like my dad was a pastor and I was like always very embarrassed and like I didn't talk about it because I got teased, you know, and it's just like I'm sure, you know, whatever. Um, but that really started in my mind, this conscious split between, okay, this is my life and this is my internal like private life and finding a way to meld those two, I think will be, I don't know, a very valuable experience. Maybe I'm already doing it. Um, maybe I'm not. Uh, I think that it's just something I'll have to explore and maybe journal about with some intention. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Absolutely. That's it? okay. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Uh, it reminds me of some thoughts that I've had about the topic because, oddly enough, I'm a pastor's kid as well. Um, and I thankfully didn't have that experience of being made fun of. Um, but I was definitely uh, kind of trying to figure out how to integrate uh, my faith into like the public school setting that I was in and just kind of found my way to how to interact with that. But I, I still haven't cracked how to do it creatively because... Uh, because I think of faith-based media, it's so difficult to really like write a movie, let's say, and have a character who is genuinely a person of faith who is going to say things that people of faith say, and have it not feel like the people in, for the people in the audience, like, oh, I'm being preached at, which yes. is so tough because you you never want to do that, right? Anything that gets didn'tic immediately gets removed a step, and that's you know, not what we want with art, right? We want to move people. We want to want to concretize truth right in mm. an emotional way and mm -hmm. so yeah I'm, I'm still figuring that out too but uh, 
love what you said. That's very fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I and I feel like that's like a whole podcast topic all on its own, a whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I I love listening to a lot of kind of um discussion podcasts where they'll have people of very different, you know, modes of thought and theologians and atheists all together just batting this stuff around and it's like it's so rich. It's just so rich. So it is. So when you figure out how to integrate those two, let me know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will send you an email. Thank you. Um, well, speaking of kind of finding our way through things, um, we'd like to close with one question for all our guests, and that is, uh, what's one piece of wisdom you'd love to leave us all with today? Mm. First thing that came to mind was make them tell you no. And I say that as a person who grew up very shy, and I didn't know that you had to like, this is going to sound really stupid that you had to ask for things. I grew up in this like idealistic brain space where like, oh, I got my first job waiting to get a raise. Oh, I, I have to like ask for a raise. I have to like go in there and talk to, to the boss and be like, hey, so here's how I'm adding value to your company. May I please have a cost of living wage raise? And so um, make them tell you no was a piece of advice that I received from a mentor. And it basically is saying like, Hey, be bold. Um, and you're going to have to be bold and it's going to be really hard for you. If you're anything like me, if you're an introvert, if you're shy, um, but you have to make a step. And often the, if you ask for something, the worst thing people can tell you is no. And it's like, you're not going to die. <clears throat> you're not going to like end up in a gutter somewhere. Like the, <laughs> literally the worst thing that can happen is they'll say no we're not giving you a raise. And I just use that as one example. It can also apply to, um, you know, going to the store and buying yarn for your first creative project or sending your short story off to a magazine or a contest. Make them tell you no. Like the thought of being told no, the fear will stop people from sending it out at all or from going to the store at all or from putting pen to paper at all. But you got to make them tell you no. You have to earn, you have to earn that no. Um, because you will get rejected a lot. That's just part of the creative life. It's part of other people's tastes being different from yours. And that's normal and natural and fine. Um, the most famous writers have been rejected countless times. Mm. Um, but you just need to, oh gosh. And this sounds like that horrible advice of like, just put yourself <laughs> out there, which is like so oh, vague yeah. and unhelpful. <laughs> but what I'm saying is if there is something that you want, let yourself want it, acknowledge that you want it and take the steps to make it happen. Because often the worst thing that can happen is that somebody will tell you no. So make them tell you no, and then you can move on to the next thing. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Uh, that's one of the best parts of the show, just like seeing what people bring in. So thank you, Sarah. This has been amazing. Uh, love your work. Love what you do. And thank you so much for coming to the Ramble Room. We will link to everything. Guys, check out Girl in Space. Check out the Right Now podcast. Check out Dear Creators. You'll find the links. Uh, it will enrich your soul. Because I can tell you from personal experience, it's enriched mine. So, Sarah, thank you again and have a fantastic day. Hope you don't have to recover too hard. <laughs> I'll just take a nap. Sounds perfect. Thanks for coming. <laughs> thank you for having me. This has been absolutely wonderful. Likewise. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Adios. All right. And there you have it, everybody. Fantastic advice from Sarah. Make them tell you no. Earn that no. Step out and courage. Realize that you have something good to give. You have something that you've created that actually deserves others' attention, even if it's not the person in front of you. And you're not going to find the right person until you start trying people out, I guess. So again, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. That was a delight. And if you agree... Please do subscribe and share, rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're on. It really helps people find the show. And I think this episode especially really could do a lot of people a lot of good. So if you know somebody in your life that's uh, struggling creatively or struggling at all, please do share it around. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can head to revenantalien.com slash contact. I'm also on Twitter, Instagram and Medium under the handle at a revenant alien. Just search for that and uh, look for the logo. If you'd like to, there's a link at the bottom of the show notes that says support if you'd want to give a little bit monthly to help us keep doing what we're doing. But really, the best thing you can do for us right now is to share this around. The more people get interested, the more awesome things we can do, 
and the more great guests like Sarah that we can bring you. And as always, if faith is something that you're exploring, a journey that you're on, or a decision you're considering, head to revidentalien.com searchers. You know, we all need a fixed point in space to orient our lives around. And that page has my thoughts on the subject. And I hope they help you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't be a stranger. Godspeed. And I'll see you next time. Here at the Ramble Room. <laughs>